comes louder. He's one on one with Hemsley, and Hemsley blocks it. Mitchell spins on Childs, and one. Cal up top, Shepard. Shepard was asking for it for three. Watson, and a foul! This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. Aztec fans, this is the Aztec Breakdown podcast. I hope everybody is doing well. We are back. Um, We skipped a week. I was on vacation, so it's my fault. It's not Kyle's fault. Don't send him any hate. Send it all to me. (laughs) Um what what am I supposed to say here all the shout outs follow us on the things the twitters and the and the um you know subscribe to the the podcast and do the patreons I checked we've had actually like a decent amount of patreon subscribers and it it I I don't normally look at the amount of subscribers I have um and it it surprised me it's still not like a huge amount but it surprised me how much it was and how much money was in that account it's not a lot but there was some and so I just wanted really quickly before I forget to say thank you to those of you who are doing that. Also, we have a couple guys who don't do Patreon, but do the, the support the podcast through the anchor link. Um, so shout out to you guys for that really quickly. Keep it up. That's, that's awesome. It, it definitely brought a smile to my face this morning to see that people are willing to give us money for doing for just talking about basketball like yeah that was that was cool um so so continue to do all that stuff you guys are great um kyle we have some stuff to talk about today we're going to talk about the guards of san diego state we're going to do three different episodes one on guards one on wings one on bigs um so that's what we're going to do i feel like i'm missing something but i can't remember so it's all good before we get into the guards uh there was some coaching news coach morris left san diego state for usc he's like the third or fourth coach in the last decade or whatever to do that it's it's kind of crazy i was like shoot san diego state coaching is a farm system for the trojans that's lame um (laughs) but but i mean also you know good luck to him right? He, he did a lot of good for San Diego State. He was a part of a lot of success. It makes me look like a fool, so I'm a little salty because I just put out an article saying like San Diego State is so lucky to have all this coaching continuity and then like a week later Morris leaves. So yeah, he definitely yeah. did it just to make me look like a fool. So salty about that, but still um, good luck to him. The replacement has been announced. Um, JD Pollock put out a tweet saying like he got passed up for the promotion for like a fourth time or something. Um, I don't think he's like super upset about it. I think it's just a spot where it's a little discouraging, but I also don't think Pollock is planning on going anywhere because of his like home situation. Um, for those of you who don't know, his wife is a professional volleyball player. And so for him being able to live in San Diego, and then I think she also coaches like UCLA volleyball. So for him being able to live in Southern California, close to the beach, really helps their their relationship, and they have kids now and stuff. So I wouldn't project Pollock to be going anywhere this season at the very least. Um, but he wasn't promoted, so he'll stay at player development. And J.D. Luster has been hired from Pacific to take Jay Morris's spot. Um, Luster has a pretty diverse coaching background. 
um, from being a graduate assistant to coaching for the Dallas Mavericks. I think he did uh, player development for the Dallas Mavericks. He's been the head of like basketball operations at another school, which meant he was in charge of um, not, he wasn't so much in charge of recruiting the players, but like setting up their visits and setting up like the practice times and the equipment and all types of other stuff. So he has a lot of experience doing a lot of different things. He comes from Pacific where he was coaching under uh, Damon Stoudemire. Kyle, is that right? Yeah. Damon Stoudemire. Um, and you were just telling me off, off air about like how hot Stoudemire is. So, so take it away real quick and talk about yeah, so... how that bodes well. Damon Stoudemire is one of the coaching darlings of basketball Twitter. Uh, I think it's, there's this real push about getting hashtag get more basketball people in basketball. Um, it's kind of like the player's way to fight the analytics. Right. But um, Damon, Damon has done uh, the only way you can describe it is an incredible job. He took over a program that was bottom of the conference and has got them to like a respectable level. The best way I can describe it is think of how bad Air Force has been the last couple of years, right? Imagine if next season they turned up and they were a top four seed. That's kind of what Damon Stoudemire has been doing on a regular basis with Pacific. So he's definitely not one of the bigger schools in the conference. He doesn't have all of like the tools in terms of the location, the gyms, the facilities, anything like that, but he's doing a really good job coaching up his team. And I think this is like the third or fourth assistant to that was lower on his bench that left. So it's definitely uh, becoming from that program is a good thing because they're doing more with less. And I think if SDSU wants to, you know, pivot to a bigger conference. We're going to have to do more with less um, just on a regular basis. Instead of operating like the big dog in the conference, like we are now, we're going to be middle of the pack if we move somewhere else in terms of, you know, recruiting abilities and strengths and stuff like that. So I think it's, it's important to kind of get people in the program that have a different perspective that come from a different area. And one of my favorite things is, and I completely forgot about this until we were on air, JD was a player at Hoover high school. So he's, we're talking about the local San Diego get product who, and I, if I remember correctly, I think he got in like a two, like an accident mm -hmm. his senior year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he was like going to be a legend, like one of the best players all time in California basketball. And he like missed his whole senior year because of an accident. So we're talking about a guy who knows San Diego, knows Southern California, He's been all over the map, right? You notice these basketball coaches, they just keep moving until it's basically like, uh, think about it like a contract, uh, someone who works for contracts. You're consistently moving until you can find a home that's going to offer you the right situation. And this clearly seems like it could be that for JD. He's going to take over a heavy load of recruiting. You know, there was that, that leaves a big hole. Um, but I think that it's, it's a good hire based on his, his record and his resume and, I'm all for keeping all of the best San Diego kids. You know, Trey Kell is arguably one of the most beloved, if not the most beloved player after Kawhi, because you all saw him play at CIF finals and really just saw him grow up before your eyes. So he's a San Diego person. And I think if we can just keep those to the, that, that level of talent, I think it's, it'll be a good hire for sure. And then last thing before we move on to actual players, uh, Jay Morris had been living out of an apartment while his family lived in LA these last couple of years. 
And frankly, if you have a family, if you're married, if you're in a committed relationship, that is a very tough thing to be doing. You're commuting on the regular, having Zoom dinners, which get old quick. Uh, and he's already on the road enough as it is. So he just took what's best for his team. You know, you get that USC job, you're getting a fat pay raise and then to be close to your family. So I wish him all the best. I hope we kick their ass every time we play him um, <laughs> and USC stop running. You went to the, you, you know, you had one of the bigger surprise teams in the country, superstar NBA draft picks. You won't play SDSU in a regular season game. Come on, man. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's, I think it's just a new direction. It's good. And the bottom line is Dutcher's running the program. Acker's still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave Velasquez, I still Velasquez think is the coach. And I think there's the coach in waiting, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. um, the big, the big hitters are still there. So I, I believe in them. You know, I'm, I'm one of their biggest critics when they're doing rough, but I think recruiting, especially the way that we've kind of developed into this, this, transfer program i think it uh i think it'll be okay i think results matter and i think they've been getting them and i think we'll be able to sustain a loss like that but well and and as we've seen this is a little off topic but like what'll happen this happened with matt bradley is the aztecs will recruit these kids out of high school and the kids may decide to go somewhere else and then like Mm -hmm. they get a little older and they mature maybe they're the star player on a not so great team like Matt Bradley was. And he decides, Hey, you know, I have one or two years left and I want to do, do some winning. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the Aztec coaches have kept in touch with them that whole time. They're like, Hey, we recruited you back mm-hmm. then. We've still been following you. We've still been in contact with you as, as you know, as much as the rules allow. And uh, you know, we'd still like you to come play for us. And then he's like, yeah, I'll come play for you now. Now I, I, I know what's up. I'm not, I'm not a, hypnotized by the glitz and the glam of the power five school you know I want to be I want to be on a team that wins so um you know even if even if the results of like recruiting high school guys aren't there right away mm-hmm. there's definitely Absolutely. long-term investments there for sure okay let's 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 get into the guards here um let's start with Pulliam yeah so before we get actually into the specifics, this is probably going to be our longest episode just because of (laughs) how many players there are that we're going to talk about. And also it's the one that has the biggest question marks in terms of rotation and fit and all that stuff. We'll do a, well, we'll do a later pod where we really break down like rotations and lineups we love, but this one's really just based on like the players themselves Mm -hmm. and how Mm -hmm. they project for this year. So Starting off with Trey, I think, you know, that's your starting point guard. I I would be really surprised if he wasn't starting this year. You know, I don't, I don't believe he's better than Lamont Butler, but he's a fifth year senior or what is a six year senior now because of COVID? What, what is he? He would be, he's a, he's a fifth year senior because he didn't have to sit out a year when he transferred in. Got it. Okay. So we're talking about a veteran player, right? who's been around the program, who, if we're being honest, I think developed more than anyone in the entire program towards the end of last year, Mm -hmm. you could make the case that he was our best player in the conference tournament. And I know in March madness, wasn't a great showing, but still um, peaked at the right time. You know what I mean? And let's hope he just carries that over Uh, in his bag. You know, he's got that floater that I'm seeing. He's shooting more like a shot and less like a push which is great. 
Um, and he, really last year, what came on was this two man game with Mensa. Mm-hmm. And you saw them even link up this summer. They had the coaches put them on the same summer league yep. so that they could run that pick and roll to death. And I think that's going to be, that's going to be a heavy dose of the offense, right? Mm-hmm. We, one of the issues we had last year is we said we really didn't have a playmaker. And I think he came a long way in that aspect in terms of being able to beat his man and create shots for others. So that's a welcome sight to see. I think he's a great defender, a great point of attack defender. Um, I don't know how he is as in comparison to the other guards, but we could do a lot worse on that end for sure. But I think that he's your start. He, I mean, he's one of the most important players on the team. Let's be honest. And I think that his development again this year, if he can take a similar leap that he did at the end of last year, like sky's the limit for him. He's th- this is a really unique situation because if, if, if COVID wasn't around, I don't think he would have been able to come back. Correct. No, no. He okay. Been, so he would have been done. So I want everyone listening to think of this as a weird scenario. This is Trey Pulliam's contract year. This is his contract year. He's playing for money in basketball in, you know, another country. Yeah. But it, this is his opportunity, right? Last year, um, we, he didn't have the spotlight on him. We, re, we, you know, he was his first year starting. This year, it's his, it's his time to build his resume. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's, that's a unique situation that we've never really seen in college basketball before that could pay off dividends for the Aztecs. He, uh, to piggyback off a couple, off a couple of those points, you talked about how, how good of a defender he is, uh, coming into last season, I was really worried about his defense. Cause you would, I would watch on tape and it, like, it seemed like a lot of the time he was either, he was either too small or too slow. And if he had enough of one, he didn't have enough of the other and everybody took advantage of him. That's what it looked like. He came in and last season, um, in my defensive points over expectation metric it's not mine I didn't create it but you know I, I, I track it um, he which what it does is it measures how many points you prevented relative to what an average player would have done okay, um, okay. He, he led the team oh my in gosh. that metric and that's that that Nathan Mensa right now for his career is like fifth in you know the last decade or so which is as far back mm-hmm. as i've as i've tracked mm-hmm. it like in his career there's four other players in their full careers that are ahead of nathan mensa so like nathan mensa is really good at it and polium last season was better at it than mensa was um so yeah great point of attack defender the the thing that i saw you mentioned you know you saw the 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 shot his his floaters become a more of a shot and less of a push which is great the thing I noticed, he has a move that he did a couple times last year, but I saw him do it a lot at Swish League where he will drive and then he'll step back and wait for his defender to try and close on him and then like do a little hezzy and then drive to the rim. So he's getting to the rim more often mm-hmm, too, mm-hmm. Um, which is like, it's like creating your own closeout opportunity, which is ridiculous. Yes. Um, and I saw that a lot. And every time I saw it, I was like, oh God, please do that mm-hmm. all the time in the season. Cause it just is, it was so effective as swish. So yeah, very important player. I mean, your point guard is always going to be important, but you know, do, do you think, I mean, we'll talk about Bradley later. Bradley, I think is the number one option. Do you think Pulliam is like a second or third option on the offense or is he just like a guy that initiates the offense and sets up everyone else? 
Yeah, I think he's going to be more of that in that role. I think he the thing this year is our uh, the biggest problem that he would have in, in the season is when he played a, a big team like Utah mm-hmm. State. Mm-hmm. Kuwait is not there anymore. So Mm-mm. it's going to have a little bit of an easier time. Now, I think he's definitely more of that table setter role. I think the the offense this year is going to be really weird. We'll talk about that in another pod, but I think it's his penetration ability plays into so many other strengths for all of our other players. And that move that you were you were talking about where he takes that step back where if he's a shooter, he's going to pull the trigger mm-hmm. and he's waiting on them to bite on it so he can go right past him. Getting your guard into the into the lane is like one of the easiest ways to create offense. And I think that because he's not like, I don't know, a freak athlete like Jeremy Hemsley who could would try to dunk on everyone, mm-hmm. he doesn't have that ability. I think he's just – he's going to get in and he's going to get people shots. He's going to get KJ that shot in the corner. He's going to hit Seiko on that elbow three. Like there are just some shots that are going to just be created simply because he can get to the basket. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, who do you want to talk about next? Let's go to – Adam Seiko. Adam Seiko. Um, I'll start with Seiko. Seiko, he, you know what's interesting about Seiko is if you look at, there's a website I follow, it's evanmaya.com. And it does, it tracks like basically plus minus type stuff. So it says, you know, if, if you have a good number in this metric, your team performs better when you're on the court. And Seiko, I don't have it up in front of me, but Seiko was like either number one or number two on the team in terms of that metric. So like, according to, to, you know, this, this data person, he was the most impactful player, right? Not the most skilled, not the most talented, but he was the most impactful. Um, I do take that with a grain of salt. Sometimes I look at, at the stuff that his numbers put out and I'm like, I'm, I'm not so sure I buy into that. I'm not sure how well it matches up with the tape, but for what it's worth, somebody had Seiko, you know, way up there in terms of their, their analytics. Um, I think Seiko, you know, he started some games last season. I think he could start. I don't think that he will. Although shout out to Seiko. He's playing in Africa right now for the Ugandan national team. Forgot to mention that. So, Oh my gosh. Props to him. Yeah. What the heck? Why Mm -hmm. am I not staying up till 2 a.m. to watch games? Yeah. No, it's uh, oh, I got to find this. I just saw uh, the SDSU basketball Twitter released his schedule earlier. Um, and it was like it was two games at, I think, 9 a.m. Pacific and one at 3 a.m. Pacific. So. There, there, there's that if I don't have it in front of me, but go find the, the San Diego State basketball Twitter and you will be good to go. I'll find it. I'll find it. I'll find it. Keep talking um, about it. In the meantime, we have Seiko is great at defense, right? I, I don't think his defense was quite as good last season as it was two seasons ago, but it was still really solid. The issue with Seiko last season was he started off red hot from behind the arc. He started off the first 17 games of the season. He shot 40% from behind the arc. Um, I think I'm, I'm doing all this off of memory, but I, th- I feel like I've written it two or three times in different articles. So he was, you know, blazing hot. And that's, that's what you want, right? He's a three and D guy. So he'll be out on the wing and he hits those threes and he locks down his guy. And that's great. The last 10 games 
which included the Mountain West tournament and that that sad showing in the uh, March Madness tournament, he shot, I think it was like 19% or 17% over his last 10 games. And so it just, it just plummeted. And so, you know, I, I had guys, you know, I was talking to on Twitter that were like, you know, if Seiko's going to get minutes, he needs to shoot better. And I was like, yeah, I mean, on the season, he shot like 33, which is average, you know, it's fine. But like, those first, you know, 17 games, he was on fire. And so if he, even, even if it's not there, even if it's, you know, 35 to 37, if he's shooting that, that is for, for, you know, the whole season and not just for half of it, that'll, he will definitely see minutes between his defense and the ability to stretch the floor. I honestly think shooting, especially compared to the last two seasons, shooting will be more of an issue. I don't think it'll be like a problem, but it just, we won't have nearly as much shooting as we had the last couple seasons, I don't think. So yeah. if he can shoot 35 to 37, that'll help out the team a lot. Yeah, I think he's in a weird situation, right? He comes from a time where the Aztec program is very, very much a slow down the game, limit possessions, lock up on defense. And here's a preview. I think we're going to be able to play completely different this year. Um but he was in line to start, I thought, if uh, if Pulliam didn't come back. I thought that you'd get a Lamont, you know, before all the transfers, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. thought we were going to have a Lamont-Seiko backcourt, and I was Same. pretty happy with that. Yeah. Um, of course, we could – I think that what we have where we're going to go uh, might be a little bit better, but still, we're talking about a guy who's played legitimate minutes for, what, the last three seasons? Two? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he played a little bit as a sophomore. And then the last two years, he's been a, he's basically been the six man off the bench. Yeah. Yeah. And he's been a heavy rotation player. You know, Dutch loves his senior seniors. And so he's a guy who's been here for a long time. For one thing with that, I noticed with him, I think it was, I think it was 100% he was in his head. He was passing up, catch and shoot looks, taking extra dribbles. Just all of those signs that say uh, a shooter's in his own head. And when you're a shooter, you just need to catch and shoot. Just don't mm-hmm. think. Just let it rip. Mm-hmm. And I think the I think he really is fills a role that is he will always have a spot on an Aztec roster because of the role that he plays and how well he plays that role. Just, We're not just talking on about defense it. alone. Exactly. I mean Point of attack on ball defenders. He's up there with, I mean, his metrics probably aren't as elite as, you know, Malachi or uh, KJ Fagan, but he's in that realm of just really good defenders. And, you know, he's the one that if for any reason, the guards will be out, he'll get the the time bump for sure. Uh, And he also, I think can play, He's got that three and D role basically locked down, but I think he could play a little bit more of a school. Like I think they could use him more in like the Jordan shackle style of of offense, because we lost kind of that guy we can run off screens and, and uh, create shots for without him having the ball. I think he could, he could see that bump this year, maybe. Um, But yeah, I think, look, I, I love Adam. He plays his tail Mm -hmm. off Mm -hmm. and he's by all accounts, a really nice guy. And we, I think it's just one of those players. Like we all like, him. I hope he can take the, another step this year. Right. I, I think he's kind of slowly improved, but 
It's all about confidence, but he will absolutely be a staple in the rotation, no matter what I think it looks like. Definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's Adam Seiko. Okay. Move on to, uh, move on to Lamont, Lamont Butler, Lamont Butler. Okay. So earlier in the pod, you had said you think, or at least implied that you think Lamont Butler is at the very least more talented than Trey Pulliam. So why don't you expand on that a little bit? Okay. So this is my whole theory on playing the kids and it comes from, it comes from, uh, I I'm, let me, let me give you everybody some background. I'm a recruiter. So I hire people all the time. And when you're hiring, you hire for one of three reasons you hire for best fit now. And that's Trey Pulliam. Mm-hmm. You hire for maybe the best fit or not quite the best fit now, but also has a little bit of potential. Mm-hmm. That's Spencer Dinwiddie. And then you have the candidate. Spe- no. <laughs> no, not Spencer Dinwiddie. <laughs> not, not NBA, not NBA point guard, Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, Keith Dinwiddie. Keith Dinwiddie. Yes. Um, but then you hire for the third candidate which is the person that has the most potential and that's Lamont Butler. And the thing about Lamont Butler is that I think he's the better player right now. Uh, I just think that the way that that state will needs a, a, a point guard who can get to the rim without hesitation. That's him. Someone who can make plays. That's him. Someone who can, I think he I, I don't really know if he's as good as Pulliam is on offense, but the whole thing is he's not going to the league. You you need guys to develop, they need minutes to develop. That's how they get better. That's why Shackle is it was so much better his senior year than he was his freshman year. Steady game time. Same with Matt Mitchell, improved a little bit every year. Lamont's ceiling is Xavier Thames, DJ wow. Gay. Wow. I'm telling you. High ceiling. I, I, I think, I actually think he can be better. Like I'm talking of the guy, of the freshmen that I saw have seen play. I've only sticking my flag into two islands. Number one was that Dakari Allen was the best on ball defender I'd ever seen at SDSU. <laughs> and by his senior year, he had Hutchinson crying as he walked off the court shooting like something like 25% in the semifinals of the mountain West game, like he that won a uh, defensive vindication of the year. So yeah. And he then number something. two, number two is that Lamont Butler's ceiling is the highest of any incoming freshman I've ever seen at San Diego state, not saying he's going to be the best player, but if everything works out, we're talking about a legitimate SDSU legend. That's a lot of pressure to put on a kid. So let me backtrack. <laughs> The one thing that I absolutely love about Lamont is he makes plays in big moments. Mm -hmm. He is the guy that swings the momentum. And in college basketball, I don't know if there are any quantifiable statistics that say momentum's a thing or anything like that. But when you're playing at home at Viejas, he's the guy that's going to make the play that's going to just blow the doors off of 
the arena. He's going to be the guy that steals the ball. He might not be the person that dunks it, but he's going to be the person that initiates that play. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever been to Viejas, you cannot tell me that momentum isn't a thing. And like just the craziness of the atmosphere. And this year specifically, a year where since we've been able to see our team, the best team, arguably the best team we ever had, didn't get to play in the March Madness. And we had a really good team last year and we didn't get to see them at all. Basketball fans in San Diego are starving for this. And I'm, I expect this year to be one of those years where it's just going to be crazy at Viejas every single game. And so if he can make those plays now more than ever, you're going to see a result from it. And so while he might not be a better fit in terms of like being a distributor and um, being a point of attack defender, I think he's better in transition, which is how I think we're going to play this year. I think he's uh, a better, a better team defender, which, you know, that's always a SDSU thing. And I also think he's a better shooter. And based on everything that I've seen in summer league, he's been working on his, his three point jump shot. And if he can knock that down because his strength already was getting to the basket, you've got a complete offensive player as a true sophomore. That is rare. And so I just think that there's more advantages to playing him than there is Pulliam just because Pulliam's not going to be here next year. Trey will, or uh, Lamont will be the starting point guard next year, regardless of who comes in. Mm -hmm. So I just like, I like to push that timeline forward a little bit. So that's kind of like my thoughts and why I feel like he might be better. And I was kind of hoping now, don't get me wrong. I'm very happy. Trey came back in the long run. I think it will help us. I just think that I was really looking forward to that situation and seeing a player who I love grow. For sure. For sure. Lamont is definitely, he definitely has a high ceiling. He showed a lot as a freshman. There was obviously the, uh, the game, I think it was his first start and it was at Utah state where he had like five steals. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I remember actually what I remember more from that game wasn't the five steals, but it was at the end of the game. There was about two minutes left and Butler drove into the lane and he uh, drew a foul on Nemius Kata, and it was the. He fifth tried foul. to dunk on. He tried to dunk on Kata. Yeah, and it was and it was the fifth foul, and he like he like like that takes confidence. Like Kata's the type of guy that people get in, and they're like, I don't actually want to shoot this, right? And he went in, and he drew the foul, and it was the fifth foul, and it was like, man, this this gives us a little bit of hope, and they still lost, but like the confidence it took to do that, and then I think the play I remember the most was, I think it was also against Utah State, but I think it was in the tournament when. Butler was driving the lane and spun around his defender. He did that classic Matt Mitchell spin, mm-hmm. got into the lane and hit and, and shot the layup, but missed. But all the Utah State players were like, oh, that's going in. And so they started like walking down the court. The, the layup missed and it comes back down. But ba- Butler was still in the play, right? He wasn't he wasn't given up on mm-hmm. that play. And he ended up getting the rebound. And I think he shot it again and missed a second time. And then Tomaich ended up getting the rebound and he ended up scoring, I think, but like the way, like how easy it was for him to get into the lane on that play was, was definitely something to see. Um, I like, yeah, I definitely agree. He, he will be the starter next year. Um, You know, as long as nothing like totally crazy happens this year, he'll be the starter next year. A lot of potential on him. Um, I, 
I hesitate to say Xavier Thames level, but then again, I can't sit here and say I would be totally surprised if, if that did happen. So yeah, no, he's, he's the, the future is bright for Aztec basketball mm-hmm. with Lamont Absolutely. Butler, I think. Absolutely. Okay. So let's roll into uh, Keith Dinwiddie, not Dinwiddie. what a $72 million man, Spencer Dinwiddie. <laughs> um, this one's really interesting. And I said earlier, and I got a lot of slack for it on Twitter that I think he's already looking to transfer now. Clearly he hasn't. And that's great. Mm -hmm. Um, He's just such an interesting, interesting player on this team to me. Talk me through your thoughts on Keith. So in your defense, which granted you were, you were speaking like more metaphorically, right. And, 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 and just, you know, trying to highlight the situation, um, and it just, it just didn't come across that way to everyone. And that's, and that's fine. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But in your defense, there is somebody, and I feel mostly comfortable saying this, I think, because it wasn't in like a DM, it was, it was public on Twitter, but there was somebody who I have reason to believe is uh, Keith Dinwiddie's father, or at the very least related to him in some way who on Twitter responded to, it wasn't my tweet, it was someone else's tweet, and I don't know if it's still there or not. Um, But he said something along the lines of like, if he doesn't get more minutes this season, he will transfer mid-season. So, I mean, you may be onto something there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But I don't want to get too deep into the room here. Yeah, we don't want to speculate. Keith Dinwiddie, um, I would actually, you, you were saying earlier, that Keith Dinwiddie was the person who will be good. Like in a year will be the great fit. And then Lamont Butler was like the long-term project. I would have actually flipped to those. I would have said Lamont Butler is the person who, you know, in a year would be good. And Keith Dinwiddie is the long-term project. And the reason is I think Dinwiddie actually, if he puts his game together, I think he actually has the highest ceiling between the two. I think Dinwiddie would actually be better than Butler. Wow. Um, I think he would be the first, you know, if he stays and if he buys into the system and does all the stuff, I, I would predict, and I don't like making like bold predictions, but I would predict he would be the first 20 point scorer the Essex have had since I think 1985. That's fire. I would, I would say that I would, I'm, I would say, you know, if he stays and if he buys into the system and does all the stuff, I think that would be a thing. Um, the issue is that looking at Swish League, um, and granted, it's it's Swish League, so we have to take it all with with a grain of salt. He just, um, how do I say? It? Like, it seemed like he didn't want to be there a lot of the time. But at the same time, I was like, if you don't want to be there, don't be there. Like, nobody's making yeah. you do it. Yeah. Um, he had a, he had a very bad tendency to, uh, when someone would pass him the ball, he wasn't giving it up. He was going to take a shot whether it was right away or whether it was after taking two dribbles or whether it was after taking 10 dribbles, he was taking the shot. And once he got the ball, he very rarely gave it up. Um, and he took a lot of bad shots. Even if he, if his shot was off, he kept shooting, which sometimes is like a good show of confidence. And sometimes it hurts the team. And there's a very fine line in between there. Yeah. But you know, it is, it is what it is. Um, I thought that his team 
his team, I think, made the championship game and lost to Matt Bradley's team. But I thought his team, his being Keith Dinwiddie, I thought the team played better without him because he wasn't there stopping the ball. And then he looked to me um, to be playing a style of defense. It's what I like to call the James Harden style of defense. And what I mean by that is he doesn't try a whole lot unless he thinks he can do something spectacular. So if he's if he thinks he can get a steal, he'll do something spectacular. And a lot of times he'll get that steal, right? And you'll be like, oh my gosh, look at that great defense. And then other times, like he just looks like he doesn't care or he'll gamble for a steal and then uh, compromise yeah. his own defense, trying to get a steal that he probably shouldn't have been trying to get into. I highlighted in one of my articles a play where um, the other team was in transition and he was just walking down the court in transition. He wasn't doing anything at all. And then the rest of his team stopped uh, the other team. And so then he started to run back because he thought he could get a steal. And then he didn't get the steal. And his guy ended up shooting like a wide open three-point shot and hit it. Um, so it's it's just, it's it's like a mentality thing. Like, I think he has all the talent in the world, but I think in his mind, he is a superstar and wants to be like recognized as such and I don't know that the coaches see that yet and so it's it's tough and and regardless of whether he stays or leaves you know I I I wish the best for him he's still you know committed to an Aztec and I hate I've said this before I hate talking bad about any of the players because one like they're Aztecs so I'm rooting for them too like they're kids and I know I guarantee they're going to hate being called kids not that they listen but they would hate being called kids I know when I was 20 I hated being called a kid I was like no I'm 20 I'm an adult but like now I'm yeah, yeah. 30 almost and I'm like no they're kids so like you know I try to give them some slack in that way um but I just in terms of this season I don't know that it will be put together for Keith Dinwiddie yeah I think you know, you've get we were talking about five players today. Can't remember a time where he real where Dutcher or Steve Fisher really played more than four guards. Mm-hmm. Um, the lineup gets shrunk even during the postseason, and it just feels to me like he is the fifth option of the four guards we're talking about. I think if Pulliam doesn't come back, he's going to be playing. I think if uh, you know, if Seiko for some reason wasn't here, he would basically become that off the bench yeah. player. The problem yeah. with with problem with Dinwiddie, I don't know that his style of play fits any system the Aztecs could potentially run because he's a volume shooter mm-hmm. and a volume scorer. He needs the ball in his hands, but he's also an undersized two guard, right? Yeah. And so six foot if the yeah, if the Aztecs are going to play a smaller backcourt, it's worked. Malachi Flynn, KJ mm-hmm. Fagan, mm-hmm. they both need to be elite on the defensive end, and that's not Dinwiddie. And even though you could put a lineup out there that really sticks him on the least you know, potent offensive player, that's still someone who would have to buy into the system. And we saw a lot of them forcing – a lot of the guards force everyone to Mensa because he's such a good shot blocker, but that is really where they can hide him. I just, I honestly think it's a numbers game and he's going to be the guy that gets cut, uh, not cut, but not, cut not from the rotation, just not um, playing as many minutes. Yeah. And now, to I, be fair, I, he's not to interrupt you, but like, I think he could be 
that defensive guy too. Like he has the athleticism. He doesn't have the height, yeah. but like he's athletic. He's strong. He for is size. quick. He, he is could, quick. He could lock some guys down, but once again, like it's just a matter of if he cares to do it or not. Anyways, sorry. Keep going. Yeah. So it's just, he's kind of, to put it simply, square peg, round hole. Like I just don't know how he fits with, with the rest of the players that could be surrounding him. Um, and I, I like, I really like him. I love guys who have in their mind, they will always have a green light. Mm-hmm. That is Jordan Shackle, right? Mm-hmm. That's Jordan Shackle. Mm-hmm. And you saw how much he grew over the course of his Aztec yep. career to become, yep. this is for another episode, he would be starting on my all-time Aztec five. Like, there you we're go. Talking, yeah, we're talking about a guy who he can, he can shoot, man. He, even in last year's games where he came in, he would he scored like what, like 12 points in like five minutes. That one day. something, it was something, something stupid. Crazy. It was like a point and a half per minute he played or something ridiculous. Yeah. So it's, he's going to be, this is a really interesting year. You're right. I think, I think if the writing's on the wall, let's be honest, it's probably best for him too to get out. And, if he he needs game time he needs game time and right now i don't see a way where he's gonna get it um and like i said i want all of the aztecs to do well mm-hmm. i want mm-hmm. keith to do well i want i i think he can be a contributing member on on the team but this year i think he's gonna get get iced out yeah yeah it's a shame because he's so talented mm-hmm. um but yeah, I'm with you. He's he's I I do think they do another 10 man rotation, which wasn't what okay. Dutch did his first couple of years. Um, he did it. He did it last year. I do think they do it again this year. But I think Dinwiddie is 11th or 12th in that in that 10 man rotation. So. Seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, I have 11 players who I think could legitimately get minutes and he he's at the bottom. I, I have him. I have him for sure above uh, the Demarche Johnson, which okay. we'll we'll talk about later. Um, mm-hmm. But I have him. I have him above there, so I think that puts him at twelve. I think. Yeah. I, I mean, um, let's just anyways. let's just think about this. And that's also is a rope going to come back? But that'll be for another. Is he actually going to come back and play? We'll we'll talk about that later in, in another episode. But yeah. yeah, that'll be the big episode. So that, that, that's a tough one, man. Um, I think I think everyone's kind of on the same page. It's like let's see. We're hoping for the best, but we're prepared for the worst kind of thing. Um, okay, that brings us to the last name and newest member of the team and former Pac-12 standout, Matt Bradley. You've done extensive research on him, video breakdowns. Go read Trone's stuff, man. It's great. Helps me feel prepared. Give me your Matt Bradley preview and how he fits into this team. Okay. Um, Matt Bradley. Um, first off, high level, high level score. And we've, we've talked about that before, um, you know, at the rim, mid range three pointer, he has it all in his game career, 40% shooter uh, from behind the arc. His percentages have dropped every year he's played. So last year he only shot 36 um, but watching him at Swish League, that's not something I'm worried about right now. I think it'll it'll go back up to that 38 to 40 range. Um, 
so so especially with the help around him and somebody like pulling him to create shots and Butler to create shots and him not having to create them as much on his own. I think that'll help. So big time score. He was a high usage score. Very, you know, you, you just said Keith Dinwiddie was a volume score. Bradley was also a volume score, but it was largely because there wasn't a lot of help for him yes. at Cal. Yes. <laughs> He's going to have help this year, right? In one way or another. Um, he definitely, to me, should play at the two guard, and I'm sure he'll play some small forward. Absolutely right, because that lets that'll let Dutcher play lineups with like Pulliam and Butler in at the same time, right? Uh, but he should start to me at, at the shooting guard at that off guard position. Um, what surprised me about Bradley was coming in on paper, I didn't think he looked to be a great passer, but there is another metric that if you read my stuff I've used before, it's called shots created, and it just takes box score stuff to kind of put in an estimate of how many shot opportunities a player creates for their teammates, right? So if you're a high-level point guard like Malachi Flynn, you're going to create a lot of shots. Um, Bradley's would have been the highest on the Aztecs last season um, if he had played it at, you know, at San Diego wow. State instead of, instead of Cal. So he's a much better passer than I thought, um, at least according to that metric. And on tape, I saw that as well at the Swish League. He still, I do still think he, at least at Swish League, he was looking more for his shot than for other people's shot. And just because he's such a high usage player, he still was able to rack up assists, but he was, he was a much better passer than I was expecting. The downside about Bradley is at least, at least through Swish League, he is, his defense was not was not great and it's something I, I keep telling myself in my head like the coaches know what they're doing um and they wouldn't recruit somebody if they didn't think he could defend and also like they brought in Terrell Gomez last year who was 5'8 and he was a he was a solid defender right he wasn't a guy you expect to lock people down but he played his role Bradley is 6'4 225 so he has the tools but he just you know if if he was uh, guarding a ball screen. He got eaten up by the screen too much. He just, he couldn't go over. He couldn't go under it. He, you know, so that's something to work on. And then if he's in isolation, uh, if, if the ball handler is a shifty ball handler, if there's somebody who can change direction pretty quickly, they're going to blow by him. That's, that's at least that's what it was at Swish League. And then my last thought was like, you know what? maybe and I, I don't think I expect this a whole lot but maybe the Aztecs could go with like some four guard lineups and have Bradley be uh like the post defender because he's big for his size and there are guards you know I, I mentioned James Harden earlier in the NBA he's a guard who's like well known for being a very good post defender so maybe Bradley could do that in the championship game he got matched up against Billy White a few times and granted Billy White is a bigger player, much more experienced player, very good in his own regard. But Billy White got almost anything he wanted against Matt Bradley. Um, Bradley had like two steals, I think, on Billy White, which was cool. And one of them sealed the win, which was great, you know, great clutch performance. But other than those two, Billy White scored on Bradley like five times, I think. Um, yeah. Was able to back him down, was able to go around him, was able to shoot over him. It didn't matter. Billy White got pretty much whatever he wanted. So it, at Swish League, didn't show to be a good defender on the perimeter, wasn't a good defender in the post, not somebody you can have chase shooters around screens. I, I don't know what role you put him in 
defensively um, based on the Swish League tape. But yep. the coaches are much smarter than me, and I'm sure they'll figure something out. But that is a concern. That's something I'll be looking at early in the season. Absolutely. I think, I think that to that point, I think every player who comes to this program is going to get a bump defensively mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just because that's what the program is built on. It's yep. built on defensive identity, right? Yep. Um, and the good news is if he's the starting two guard, you've got Pulliam in that same lineup mm-hmm. who can handle their best ball handler. Mm-hmm. I think this is a unique player, someone that I don't think the Aztecs have really had in that style, who's a legitimate three-level scorer, and you, you'd be hard-pressed to say he's better at one than the other. And you also you pair that with a pass-first point guard in Trey Pulliam, which is he's basically shown to be a shot creator in, instead of more of a scorer. And I think that's kind of like a match made in heaven. I think you're going to see Matt's offensive like usage rate. It's going to go down because of how bad Cal was. But I think you're going to see a usage rate that's as high as any SDSU player has ever been. Oh, I'm, I'm sure like thinking back, Trey Kell's usage rate was outrageous. And I think that he, Matt Bradley could very well have that similar level of the balls in his hands. He's the guy creating the offense. The one thing that I am, I I'm really looking forward to is I think he's going to be the guy that gets the ball when we need a bucket. Definitely. I think he's definitely it's it's. And, and the other thing is last year we had this conversation around it's Matt Mitchell's team. Mm-hmm. What's it going to, what's it going to look like? How's mm-hmm. Matt going to play? And Matt lived up to all the standards played as well as I think he could. Um, and was just the absolute rock our team needed him to be. There is almost that exact same question about Matt Bradley, mm-hmm. because you're talking about a guy who's good, a really good player can be great. Never really been on a good team. So what's that going to look like? Because the Aztecs are not going to be bad, right? We're, like, I think worst case scenario, you're looking at top four seed in the conference. You know what I mean? So that's not, he's going to be on a bet, the, a bet, the best team he's ever been on. He's going to be playing in, um, he's going to be playing, you know, with the best players he's ever played with. Mm-hmm. So I'm really, I'm really looking forward to what that bump looks like. The level in which he can assimilate into the Aztec culture and really buy in will, I think, determine a lot of the Aztec success this season. If he comes in and is just a perfect fit, gets that bump defensively, uh, can play that score that the Aztecs really need, sky's the limit for this team. But if it comes in, if he comes in and it's not a good fit, man, the season could be rough. But I think that what I saw is a lot to what you saw. I also think a little bit he didn't really care about that end of the floor during Swish League. Yes, because, that's a, yeah. Because when Great you're result. a six four, when you're a six four guard, and you're having to guard Billy White, who literally has no offensive skills outside of the post, but inside the post is incredible. I mean, you guys remember Billy? He would just back down his guy, hit his jump shot, drop step, get him hooked, steal his defender. And Billy White's also really long, so it's not only mm-hmm. is he 
not only is he four inches taller than him, he's a lot longer. And like you said, he's a 32 year old guy who's played all over the you know yeah. the globe. Yeah. Um, he's just and and definitely wanted to show out in in summer league. Like mm-hmm. he was putting some extra sauce on those dunks, which was great. But um, I think it's the question will always be on the defensive side of the ball for him, like you said. And that brings in again why I think we're going to run more because I think we're going to try into basically tap into that hyper athletic version because good luck trying to find a two guard that started for the Aztecs that was as athletic as this kid is because he's going to have some moments where you just go, he can do that? Really? Because I saw some at Cal and and I think he's got a lot to offer, but he's going to, there's going to be, I think, a heavy load kind of placed on him, his, his, on him to be the scorer. And so I think that's really what the Aztecs can look at. And I think because of how much offense we're losing from last year's team, I think you're willing to sacrifice the defensive end just because the culture can kind of make up for some of that. Yeah. I mean, he needs, you know, he needs to hit a certain baseline on defense for sure, but yeah, he's going to be the number one option on offense. He's going to be the focal point. I, there was a, Last season, Coach Dutcher had conversations with Matt Mitchell, and I don't remember where. I, I think it was just an interview. He, he said that he was telling Mitchell this, but he was saying, like, listen, you're the best player on the team, and as the best player on the team, like, what you need to do is you need to either get yourself into a position to score or draw a double team so that someone else can score. And I was really optimistic for Mitchell to add that passing element into his game, and I don't think he ever really did. And that's not to talk down on him. He was still great, like you said. Um, and he did have some like good passes, but I just don't think it happened as much as I had hoped it would. I do think Matt Bradley is in a better situation for that, just based off of the numbers I've seen and what I saw at Swish League. Like, I think he'll be better at, you know, if, if he gets his own shot, great. And if he doesn't but draws that double team, I think he'll be a better, a better passer in that regard. And then it's, it's just, you know, who's going to take on – the role that Matt Mitchell had of like guarding the opponent's best player when it mattered. Right. Um, I don't think Bradley will have that role. Nope. They'll have to go to Pulliam or Seiko or, you know, maybe Kashad who we'll talk about later. Yes. I don't know. I don't know, but we'll, you know, that'll, that'll get figured out, but offensively. Yeah. When, when the Aztecs need to score late in the game, the ball will be in Bradley's hands and he'll, will figure it out. Yep. Absolutely. Cool. I think that's it. Did we miss anything? No, I think those are all the guards that are going to get run this year. Potentially. I think everyone else is either going to be sitting on the bench or is really just kind of like a practice player, if that makes sense. Yeah. And Um, it's, it's, it's not to like disrespect those players that aren't on scholarship or anything, but I know I, mm -hmm. I didn't talk with Kyle about this beforehand, but like I kind of made a decision to pretty much just talk about the scholarship players because the other players, there's so little tape of them. We don't really know anything. And they aren't going to get a whole lot of run anyways, besides in garbage time. But that's not to say they aren't important to the team, right? They're running the practice, the, the practice squad, and they're doing, they're doing all the other stuff that's behind the scenes that's important. But that's why we're not talking about them. So, yeah. Yeah. Before we, before we sign off, I want to give some love to an ex-Aztec guard, Jeremy Castleberry, head coach of the Clippers Summer League. I couldn't believe it. He walked out there and I was like, dude. It's my guy. <laughs> Aztec 
fan favorite Jeremy Castleberry, yeah. who's on the Clippers coaching staff. And let's be honest, he follows Kawhi wherever he goes. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure it's in his, it's just one of those, you know, hey, give my man a job. But you don't just, I don't think Kawhi has any clout under the coaching staff. And so the fact that he earned that, because you can, if you just follow his career, he's slowly been moving up the bench, getting more important roles. And mm-hmm. you look at some of the other coaches for, for summer league, like Jason Terry was a coach and we're talking about a legit NBA player who's trying to get into coaching. And here you have Castleberry who, you know, end of the bench guy. Uh, I'm just really proud and happy for him. I'm so happy that he's doing his own thing earning his own, you know, his own praise. And I will always root for that kid because let's be honest, we're talking about a guy who was a little pudgy and you could see his belly every time he wore the Jersey. And I love those guys because I'm one of those guys. (laughs) God damn it. So definitely, uh, definitely want to give him a lot of praise and congratulatory, uh, you know, messages for, for all of his success. And I could absolutely see him coaching in the D league as this next step. Or, you know, eventually when Kawhi retires, maybe he'll return to the Mesa. Who knows? Hey. <laughs> There's a thought. <laughs> cool. Okay, um, friends. Yeah. Yeah. That does it for, for this sure. One, Aztec fans. Okay. Well, go Aztecs. It's so great to be back. And we'll be back probably next week with uh, the plan is going to do week. wings. Wings. Doing wings. Okay. A lot shorter because a lot less players to talk about. Yep. All right, friends, it was great to talk to you guys again. We'll see you later. We'll catch you next time.